Hey, welcome back to the Crown Refs Podcast for episode 118. This audio is from way back in July of 2019. It was recorded at Spooky Nook Sports, which is the largest indoor basketball facility in America. I think it has over 30 courts. There was a few camps going on this weekend. Um, had a chance to interview our guest, Chad Beswick, who is a Division One official from the D.C. metro area, who was assigned to observe at his first camp. Uh, had worked with Chad a few days earlier at a camp in Atlanta. City, so it was cool, you know, to see him getting his uh, his first shot as an observer. Had a few moments to chat with him on his experience. We discussed uh, some of the biggest difficulties between making that jump from D1, uh, excuse me, from D2 to D1, and how everyone's career path varies. Um, hope you enjoy the episode. Remember, we put out a newsletter every Sunday to to sign up for free. You can just text "serve the game" to number two two eight two eight. So to join our email newsletter, simply just text serve the game one word to the phone number 22828. All right. Appreciate you listening and uh, do me a favor. Have a great rest of your day. Chad, it was a pleasure working with you this weekend and now I get to see you in an observer's capacity. Tell me how your day's been as an observer. You know, uh, it's really a different entire side of the game so today I really I really was able to appreciate um, how much effort the officials put into the craft and uh, it also made me uh, really grateful for the side uh, that I'm on um, to be able to have the knowledge and the skills and uh, all the blessings that uh, have come with the work that we put into the game and uh, to just be a part of it at the, the college level so um, just seeing all the hard work that the guys do mm-hmm. over the summers, um, it's it's awesome to be an observer. That's a great answer because you were just in that position a couple days ago, and now it, it kind of gives you a, a new perspective. Because is this your first time observing, or you've done it before? Uh, first time doing it for an entire camp. Yeah. yeah. How is it going through a whole day sitting in that chair? And- Brutal. Ten yeah. games. Ten games. Um, you know, it took a little break for lunch, but. You know, I'm not used to sitting for that long, but um, had a chance to meet a lot of great people. Had a chance to talk about uh, quite a few interesting plays and opportunities for learning, uh, situations, uh, communication with partners, players, coaches. So, um, pretty pretty good day overall. Still got a couple to go though. Yeah, and the great thing about that is you're giving back to the game. You're helping, you're coaching, but you're also helping yourself. You're also educating and, and teaching yourself by all the feedback that you're giving to the refs. Oh, and, you know, and it definitely definitely helps with the people and communication skills, um, and it for sure helps us learn too. Now, have you given the verbal feedback, or did you give them any written feedback? How did, how did that go? What were you t- oh, it's today's mostly verbal. The written stuff is for the boss. Right, right, right. We can't know too much about that. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, so for people on the outside looking in, you definitely you typically have you know the the boss uh, or the conference uh, the assigner has some kind of form that you're filling out just so they can have a, a standardized evaluating system and you know you're looking for your things you have your your own set of values and, and what you think is um, you know it as far as you know what makes a good official but you're also filling out some things that the, the boss has asked, asked you to look for um, just so everyone has a standard criteria but you know they don't come away with anything paper-wise. And I, I just speak for myself. When I've been to a camp and they do give you paper, I, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't, generic it's shoot, one of those right? things you, you read and you, and you don't keep. But 
you know, it's the, it's the relationships, it's the networking and, and the things that guys share with you about their story and their journey that you remember. How many years that did it take you to get to the Division One level? Uh, it took me 11 years. Wow. Um, and I had a lot of people say, you know, oh, I got fast-tracked or this or that because they, they thought I looked young or I was young, but it, it's, it's not an overnight story for, for most of us. Yeah. That just goes to show everybody's path is different. It, you know, on the fast track, you hear some guys might, might move up in five years. That's the anomaly. That's the, like, 1%. For everybody else, it doesn't happen overnight. It's just the continuous working and going to these camps and building those relationships and showing progress over time. So which conferences are you in now? Uh, right now I'm in the Northeast, Ivy Patriot, Big South are, are my main. Uh, I've been to a few others, hoping to, to get some add-ons this year. Um, but I, I've been fortunate to work a good number of Division One games the last few years mm-hmm. and um, you know start working some conference games. So it's just uh, one of those things. But uh, I've worked the Division II NCAA tournament, the Division Three NCAA tournament. So, so my goal is to, to make the big tournament one of these days and, and just keep grinding. That's great. Awesome. But uh, I guess my last message for anybody else out there is just, you know, it's a, it's a marathon. You know, you, it's, it's, you got your ups and downs, but it's, it's something you keep climbing towards. And you may never get to the ultimate peak where you think you might want to be, but just enjoy where you are. You got to be a marathon runner, and the marathon runner doesn't worry about what the sprinter is doing. Amen. I'll say that again. The marathon runner does not worry about what the sprinter is doing. You have that long-term um, perspective in mind, and you stay patient. You're not going to worry about you know somebody that just moved up after four years. Again, it goes back to everybody carving out their own path. For sure, everybody's got different personalities, different styles, different opportunities. Um, I have a friend who made it to the NBA in five, like six, seven years. Who's that? Uh, Gediminas Petrotitis. Okay, G. And uh, the G man. Worked for, with his dad. Oh yeah, he's and he's the best. But you know, he had he got some quick opportunities, but he made the most of them and didn't mess it up. So yeah, uh, you can't compare yourself to somebody that's basically a phenom. Hmm. You just have to, you know, do it on your own speed. Does he help mentor you to this day? Um. We're friends. Okay. <laughs> We're friends. So once in a while, I ask him something about working in the league, but we actually don't talk about basketball that much because we legit friends. Gotcha. That's cool. Uh, one more question. Tell me one like major difference from being a Division Two official and then breaking into D one that that first year. What are some of the main differences between the D two and D one? Um, D one, you just you have to communicate with coaches. You can't hide from them. D2, you might be able to get away with with uh, not handling it, but you you have to be able to communicate with those guys. Like it is, you are not going to be able to escape it and, or be timid about it. So you're going to have to really step up your communication skills with those Division One coaches. Because it's really their show. Kids are coming and going in and out, and these coaches are pretty much the stars of yeah. college. And basketball. chances are, if you get to Division One, you're probably a a pretty good play caller. You're probably pretty good at, at getting your plays right. Um, probably a good third guy. But when you when you first get there, that's that's a big thing. Is they're they're gonna come. You're gonna change from probably being the best guy in the Division Two game to being the new face in a Division One game, and they're coming for you. What were some glaring things that once you hit D1, you knew you had to like work on going into the next season? Was it the communication, the main thing? Uh, honestly, I think handling coaches um, and the other thing that you 
you just need reps on is, is working with the monitor. Okay. But working with the monitor is the biggest division difference in Division One, and knowing Rule 11 and working with the monitor, it just takes practice. So did you go into that first year? Obviously, you studied a lot about the monitor because you, you don't really have it in Division Two. Yeah, if, when I prepped for my games and I read the rule book, I was mainly reading Rule 11 because I was good on everything else coming in. Let me ask you one thing. I, I see <laughs> I see Division One officials with that uh, timing pack. The precision timing. Precision timing. Now, from, from, from being a guy that has never worked a D1 game, your first time doing precision timing, did they prep you on that? Is there any kind of... Uh, so, actually, you know, what's funny is you mentioned that. My very first time using precision timing was for a high school state championship. Wow. So... It's all about the facility. It might be the conference, but you know you could have a conference where there's only two schools that have that. You could have a conference where no schools have it. You could have a conference where all the schools have it. Um, there's not a lot to it. Okay. Just touch a button. Well, click the button, but it's it's actually more important just to have it hooked up right because so that it stops. Mm -hmm. So you just need to check, make sure it's hooked up so that when you blow the whistle, the clock stops. Uh, as far as it's starting. Yeah, it just takes a little practice, find the nub. The hardest thing about it is where do you want it on your hip? Gotcha. So do you like it on the back? Do you like it in the front? Do you like it on one side? Because you're going to use your hands on the other side. So you got to find that sweet spot. It's just a little more of a matter of familiarity. All right. It's, it's a way overrated thing. It doesn't come into play that much. Well, listen, I'm happy you just got a coffee and you checked out close to us so I could call you over here. I didn't think you wanted to do a podcast, but you sat down and you brought some heat. And I'm really happy we got to do this. My I'm, guy. I'm happy we got to work together and um, get to see you this weekend. It's been been a fun couple days. I wish you the best of luck. You as well, Chad. bro. Take care, bro. Thanks for everything. Thank you. This episode of the Crown Refs Podcast is sponsored by RefereeStore.com. At RefereeStore.com, we know that being a referee is not just a job, it's a lifestyle. And that's why we make it easy for you to find the right referee shirts, pants, and accessories for your games. Looking to stand out? We carry referee-designed products you cannot find anywhere else. We carry gear for football, soccer, hockey, baseball, and basketball referees designed to meet all required standards. This month, RefereeStore.com is offering a 15% discount for all listeners of the Crown Refs podcast. Just enter coupon code CROWN15 at checkout, then click apply to get your 15% off your next order. So if you're buying gear for this season, I don't know what your situation is, but definitely take advantage of that Crown Refs discount. RefereeStore.com and Crown Refs, serving the game.